Hi everyone and welcome to uh, the Free Hit Podcast by Oxfordshire Cricket. Uh, we're inspired to form this series of podcasts to create greater connection for our audiences to our world within sport and specifically our world within Oxfordshire Cricket. The episodes will explore a range of topics from our activity in the sporting context and we'll delve into conversations with our guests to gain insight into their experiences and knowledge from their specialist fields. Today we're joined by Luke Taylor. Uh, Luke's a strength and conditioning coach from Brooks University and a lecturer in sport and coaching science. For a number of our pathway players and parents, Luke will be a familiar face having been involved in our Emerging Players programme over the last couple of years and I'm really pleased that Luke's agreed to join us on our first podcast and I'm really looking forward to um, his insight from the world within SNC and to pick his brains on how we can support our pathway players through the, the current context that we face and hopefully be ready for, for cricket when we return to the field at some point in the future. So Luke, welcome to the podcast and thank you very much. Cheers, Matt. Uh, yeah, no, great to be here. Nice to um, be part of your first episode. Um, obviously, we've been chatting for a while and I think that um, there's definitely a space for this to kind of grow and it'll be really exciting to see what uh, stuff and guests you guys have in the coming weeks and months. Um, and I'm sure they'll have some exciting things to say. So I thought where we would start is, of course, some people know you well uh, and others don't. So it'd be really good to just to get a bit of background on you and your and and your journey uh, to this point in time. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess so. Uh, brought up in Marston in Oxford. Um, haven't delved too far. I live out in Drayton now. Um, Growing up, big sporting background, kind of played a little bit of everything. Um, ended up becoming a, an ice hockey player, actually, is it, growing up. Um, and that was actually one of the reasons why I chose uh, to go to university in Sheffield. So Sheffield's a big hockey town, um, and that actually was one of the draws to kind of study there. Um, and I did an undergraduate degree in sport and exercise science um, with kind of at the, the time... A hope to become a PE teacher. That was where I kind of saw my future. Um, and in my first year of my undergraduate degree, a guy called Kevin Paxton, um, big in the SSC world, particularly in youth SSC, came and gave a, gave a talk about strength and conditioning and said he had a, an internship lined up for United. And if anyone was keen, he had to report 7 a.m., I think, the following Monday um, at our sports centre on campus and kind of go through an induction process and 10, 15 of us kind of went down, including me and one of my housemates um, and we were actually selected from that group to become interns at Sheffield United. I was there for about two years, um, mainly with their under-14s group, um, kind of learning the ropes and kind of getting my hands dirty with a little bit of coaching, thought, oh, this is fantastic, let's give this a go. Finished my undergraduate degree and as a fresh-faced 21-year-old thought, oh, I know a thing or two now, which evidently I didn't. It was just kind of book smart, supposed to apply coaching and thought I'd get a job quite easily. Obviously, as lots of people know, trying to get a job in sport, that's quite difficult. Um, kind of bounced around a little bit and then ended up going travelling uh, with my girlfriend at the time, now wife. Um, and 
on our travels, I try to basically get in touch with local sporting organisations to go in and try and learn a little bit about their S&C departments. And it kind of fueled the fire, I guess. Um, got to go in at Melbourne Storm um, in the NRL, uh, Carlton Blues and AFL side, um, a few other bits and pieces kind of around the world. And then from that, managed to get an internship at Oxford United, local club. Um, initially helping out their under-16 boys and their women's team. And then I guess fast forward that a couple of months, was empl- was employed um, as an SNC coach and then became the head of department, so head of academy sports science. So I was there for four seasons, um, running at their youth department, um, started with just myself and then we finished with kind of eight or nine staff and then also assisted with the first team, so working under... Chris Wilder and kind of one of my first mentors, a guy called Alistair Lane, um, who was the head of sports science at the club at the time. Um, and then alongside that, there was a few other roles that kind of popped up. So there was a, a voluntary position um, with British University Sport, where I travelled with Team GB or GB Unis to the World University Games 2013. Their women's football team, where we went to the World Junior Games and were fortunate enough to win gold. Um, fantastic side and probably five or six of those are now um, senior youth international or senior international sorry with England um, and I guess it lots of the bits of my journey kind of comes down to right place right time um, the head coach of that GB women's squad worked for the football association we got on really well on the trip it was in Russia and we spent kind of four or five weeks together in in Kazan, you know, there's not a lot going on in Kazan, so you, you spend a lot of time chatting and discussing thoughts and ideas. And it, I think I got on really well with her. And off the back of that, I looked for a consultancy post with the FA. That was end of 2013. I've been with them as a consultant now for seven years. Been fortunate enough to go to two World Cups, two European Championships, and um, I was actually speaking to a friend of mine the other day and we worked it out, I think it's about 80 international fixtures at various age groups I've been involved in, which has been fantastic. Um, and then alongside that, 2015, I left Oxford United, became a member of staff at Oxford Brooks, initially as a SNC coach, managing all their kind of sports and then um, moving into more of an academic role over the last kind of six, seven months. So kind of splitting the role in terms of still have a handle on SNC within the um, teams in, I work with, particularly or prominently the MCCU alongside Graham Charlesworth, the head coach, who also works at Oxfordshire, um, and then now deliver more on the academic side and training up hopefully future coaches to go out into the world and, and find some some paid or voluntary work in an SNC context. Um, Alongside that, completed a master's degree in SNC at St Mary's um, through the UKSCA and the NSCA over the last few years. Um, there's probably a few other bits I've missed and a few roles that I've missed out, but that's kind of it in a nutshell. I think what's immediately striking is um, obviously you're extensively experienced across a number of different sports, but also that you've um, you've sort of paved your own path into into the place that you are now. I know you said that a bit there was a bit of right place, right time and some good connections, but I think it also gives evidence for the um, your own drive to be able to make it happen. Particularly, I find it fascinating that you 
you started out wanting to be a PE teacher and and over the period of time since then you've been in a number of different sporting contexts, works with all sorts of different players. Um, I find that really interesting. And I think what would be interesting for our listeners is, is to to hear about the the similarities or differences between those sports. You've given some examples of working with Oxford United and being involved in the FA, now spending time um, with the MCCU and recently working with um, our coaches from a coach development perspective. How do, how do you... How do you find the the context change? Are they different? Are they similar? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. I think that there is definitely um, lots of similarities between teams that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of that are successful. There's definitely lots of similarities. Um, I think that you find that, and I'm going to steal a quote from a former colleague of mine who has gone on to be a fantastic international coach. He's a guy called Des Buckingham. We worked together at Oxford United. He was uh, working with our youth team when we, we used to share what was a port cabin office together. He's gone on and he, until very recently, was the New Zealand under-23s head coach. And we, I was lucky enough to go to the under-20s World Cup with him last year in Poland. And he was all about um, good people get good results. Um, and I'm a big believer in that. I think that kind of meeting lots of other coaches on my journey and learning lots about people essentially and, and SNC coaches in particular. I think that being a good person first will always help. It will always prevail. Obviously you, you need your book smarts and you need to understand how to program and periodize effectively, but people who are good as in people first, good natured individuals kind of success kind of follows that I think that being open to ideas and open to conversations with people from different backgrounds or having different levels of understanding of different topics makes teams successful um, and the teams that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of that have won things or gone far in competitions have open collaborative staff but also open and collaborative players um, if we, I actually see a big similarity between those New Zealand under-20 lads I was fortunate enough to work with in Poland last year and the MCCU group I worked with last year, both similar age groups, 18, 19, 20 years old, both groups diligent in their hard work and, you know, wanting to succeed, um, all really open, you know, head coaches, assistant coaches, analysts, players, all want to, you know, have you thought about this? What about this? Have we, you know, it's a collective identity opposed to that one man at the top or one lady at the top who's saying, this is the way we're going to do it and this is the only way. Yeah. Um, I think collaboration is, is huge. So have you found that those experiences that you've had, and you gave a great um, quote there, have really influenced your philosophy from an SNC perspective? Has it, has it changed from when you first started out? Um, yeah, undoubtedly. I think, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, the, if I saw the 21, 22-year-old me who thought he knew everything, I would have to, you know, I'd have some pretty harsh words to say to him. I think that the more I've done in the world of sport, the more I've kind of learned that, you know, you don't know everything and context is hugely important to everything we do. And uh, there's... You know, there's always a it depends element to everything 
and every situation we're in it's you can't take every situation as black and white kind of need to understand a deeper level of what's going on you know what historically has happened there or you know who has been the key stakeholders in that environment prior to where you know where they're at now and i think that the only way i've ever got those experiences would have been kind of delving into you know, getting my hands dirty a little bit and, and coaching and working with with other coaches consistently from all as i said from all backgrounds all ages all experiences um i think that if i was blinking and thought okay i'm an snc coach and all i do is sets and reps and squatting then i think i would would have definitely not been able to be at the you know where i'm at now and hopefully where i'll continue to progress i think it's being open to what other people have to say and i think as you said where where my philosophy is at now and um i'm a big believer in like doing the basics well um like brilliant basics um is is again a, it's a phrase i've stolen um you'll see a lot none of none of the things i come out with are, are going to be particularly mine that they're always things i've picked up and that comes from another fantastic coach i was fortunate to work with um she's a girl called Gemma granger she i'd say is probably the best female coach in this country if not you know globally she's phenomenal coach and she again is all about people first and getting the right environment for her players and she she's bangs on about brilliant basics if we can do that we can do all the simple stuff really well then we will be successful as a team and that's kind of where i sit now is we do our basics and i think it goes out to all players if you do your basics well then we can worry about fine-tuning it later down the line but if we haven't got a great shell to work from it's we're going to struggle to succeed and I think actually that gives us a really interesting fork to 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 go down and explore. Um, before we do that, I think it's really really evident that the value that you're placing on on people and building those um, building those relationships or having a philosophy that's that's driven by developing good people. How do you go about doing that in an S and C world where there's a variance of desires to train different level of athletes different experiences how do you how do you go about doing that with with those players um yeah that's a really really good question i think that so i'd only ever been in environments where until kind of 2014 2015 where it was almost a player's or an athlete's job to come into a gym environment work hard see results and then in the field of play, then they had to kind of execute those skills with what we'd worked on. But going into a university setting, that completely changed. And I ended up working with athletes or working alongside athletes who were predominantly students first, and then sometimes social butterflies second, maybe athletes third, fourth, fifth, um, to athletes who were, you know, training to be Olympians. It was a huge spectrum. And I think that what that taught me and um, is getting to know those individuals or those groups of people on maybe more a personal level first um, and then trying to work with them to get like a collective um, kind of desire or goal. So if we go from, you know, I've spent a lot of time working with our women's hockey team, for example, and they haven't, you know, they want to win and they want to be successful, but it potentially isn't the most important thing of why they're at university. So it's kind of working with them to get, okay, we want to get to point X and how are we going to do that together? Not me versus them. And then 
On the other side, we go down with the MCC um, group I've been fortunate enough to work with for the last kind of five years now. There's such a wide spectrum of individuals. You've got lads who want to be first-class first county cricketers and they will do everything they can and they'll be there every morning, seven o'clock, diligently. And then you've got the lads who are exceptionally talented, but maybe, you know, the MCC or university cricket is the highest level they ever really interested in playing. So we need to work with them to ensure that they all get... Um, the most out of what they can do, but understanding that it isn't the be and all and all for them. So it's again kind of links back to knowing the person and knowing their context. So would you give that advice to any aspiring SNC coaches that are listening? That... Yeah, I think without shadow of a doubt, I think that shoving programming down an athlete's throat and saying you must do this, you must do this, and then almost like reprimanding them if they don't it's you're only going to get a big brick wall defense and it's knowing your athletes asking a conversation or starting a conversation with them and going from there like i used i you know as any snc coach we want to do we collect a lot of data on athletes and we want to understand what's going on and how to make them better but probably the most important or the most valuable tool i can ever have with an athlete is just asking how they are you know they walk in the morning hi good morning how are you getting on what's going on yesterday, understanding what's going on in the bigger picture. I wanted to then explore something you mentioned earlier on in, in our conversation around basics and building those foundations. Within the pathway, we're working with players between the ages of nine and 18 years old, girls and boys, varying ages and stages of development. What are some of those basics that you believe are really important that would develop some some strong foundations in our players across the, the talent development pathway. Again, yeah, no, so that is kind of, as you said quite rightly, where my philosophy kind of sits at is before we can do all of the, the bells and whistles and we, and we add our decorations, we need our, um, our Christmas tree as such. So everyone needs a basis to work from a, a solid Christmas tree. And then how we decorate it with our tinsel and our lights and our style, whatever fairy, whatever we choose, that's kind of up to us. But we have to have this solid base, uh, what were they called? Norwegian spruce that we're going to go with, our Christmas tree, essentially. Um, and for me, in the athletic context, lots of sports kind of will have the same foundation that we want to move on and we want to be able to teach our athletes from a young age and all the way through these, these solid skills that mean that they can move well in the field of play. And they kind of come down to our ability. Can we know, can we squat? Can we lunge? Can we hinge? Can we brace, push, pull, jump, land, catch, throw? Those kind of 10 skills. And they are going to help underpin most athletic movements um, and ability to do those well will one mitigate injury or hopefully reduce our chances of injury when we're playing our sport and also help us flourish that's a difficult word to say um in the, the kind of arena of sport and and then the kind of the next building block for me would be our ability to sprint or be fast um particularly a sport like cricket where speed is so important our ability to sprint or run really well and having that underlying technical ability to run well is going to be massively important. Um, so once we've kind of honed in on those skills, then we can start you know, progressing things a little bit further. But 
that would be kind of the basis of any program that I'd want to put an athlete through. That would be kind of those 10, 11 skills would be where we would sit. Definitely. And do they change depending on player's role or um, stage of development? I think, again, this is where we are adding adding bits further down the line. I think that specialisation is becoming, it's a really hot topic within definitely my field. Like, you know, we talk about do we early specialise or do we play a breadth of sport? And cricket can be almost potentially one of those sports where you don't see early specialisation. I think that it was quite interesting um, looking back at some of the some understanding some of your players within the, or our players within the pathway that lots of them will play hockey, cricket, football, tennis, whatever it might be. And that gives athletes a, a wide breadth of skills or a wide breadth of movement patterns they're going to do regularly. And similar to S&C, I think that we wouldn't want to specialise and say, OK, you're a wicketkeeper, so you're going to do wicketkeeping-based S&C from the age of 10 to the day you retire. I think that we kind of need to think past position um, or, or what they're going to do and kind of think more about the, again, around the individual and trying to, okay, what do you need as an individual? What's going to make you a better athlete, therefore a better cricketer, hockey player, footballer, whoever it might be. Um, and kind of veer more towards that. Again, I think that, again, a younger me want to, might have wanted to put athletes in buckets. Okay. You're a fast bowler. So you're going to do fast bowler type work all the time. Or you're a wicket keeper. You might do wicket keeper drills all the time. I think that, particularly the younger ages, how do we know that this 10-year-old um, wicketkeeper, for example, might not want to become a fast bowler, he might have a massive growth spurt, or she might have a massive growth spurt, and six years down the line, they would be an exceptional fast bowler where we've spent these six years doing wicketkeeping specific SNC. I think it's we need to think bigger picture in all of this, particularly around developing athletes. I, th I think that's a, a really interesting topic of conversation and one that I'm sure coaches across the, the country and the world have had to all sorts of extents. And it's really interesting that the, the specialisation conversation dips into strength and conditioning in the same way that it would um, coaching cricket. And what's quite striking there is the point you, you raised around looking past position uh, and making that individualised and trying to then blend the two of those so we don't end up specialising from the perspective of, a wicket, as you mentioned, a wicketkeeper spending six years on specific drills and ending up being a fast bowler. And I think for pathway parents or players that are listening, um, key messaging there around trying to develop a, a holistic athlete that can, can move and, and be just that, an athlete that can then perform the context particularly yeah. given that players will develop at different ages and stages. You've seen a number of players that have gone on and excelled as fast bowlers at later ages past the pathway and preparing physically to be able to do that, I think, is really key. We're obviously at this moment in time in a position where cricket's on hold and pathway players or lots of players across the county are confined to their homes or daily number of exercises now obviously more than uh, greater than one what's your advice for those players on trying to maximize their physical development during this time where perhaps gyms uh, gym access isn't available um, equipment may be 
very limited. How how would you go about developing those those real ten skills as as you describe as a Christmas tree? Yeah, I think yeah. So yeah, you need to, we need to build our tree, and now's a, a great time where we okay we don't potentially have access to all the equipment we might want, but we still have you know you might have your living room or your bedroom or some of us are fortunate enough to have a garden so we might be able to get out there and and have a little go and as you said we're now not restricted to one mode of exercise at the moment and we can actually use outdoor spaces a little bit more so again we've got some space to work with and i think it's using these times as an opportunity okay um i want to really hone in my technical ability with these skills opposed to adding a lot of weight to them and making them really difficult or okay let's strip it back to basics okay what does my squat pattern look like and a range of a range of depths or of speeds or can i do it on one leg or that those kind of things and as we've been we've been talking over the last couple of days matt we will hopefully going to put together a a little bit of a webinar where we'll go into some more detail around this around okay how can we maximize our time here and and utilize these fundamentals and I think it's trying to get a basis of those in now because sport will return and quick cricket will return. Um, and then that then that comes again with the added risk of too much too soon. And if we haven't laid our foundations and got our tree, our Christmas tree in order now, when it comes back, goes back to being able to play sport and particularly maybe our fast bowlers or our quicker guys and girls want to go out and start bowling, okay, the first thing they want to do is, oh, I haven't bowled for 12 weeks, I need to make up for lost time, and too many overs, too much intensity too soon, side strains, back pain, hammies go, those kind of things. So we need to prepare the engine or prepare the chassis now. So it's, can we get our fundamental skills, those 10 we mentioned earlier on, and can we particularly start to bring in some speed? So, you know, can we start to look at, can we hit some sprinting or some max velocity work? Can we try and practice our run up as such? We might not be able to deliver a ball at the moment, but can we get to a position where we can run at full speed comfortably and start exposing the body to that intensity? You know, the hamstrings would have experienced that for a long time. So you don't want to pop a hammy first, first day back, um, which we've seen lots in sport that has returned, you know, the Bundesliga being one massive increase in injury rate because they haven't played at that intensity for a while and we'll see with the England bowlers that are going back into training at the moment hopefully that won't happen and they would have continued a program consistently which I'm sure they have done to ensure that they've prepped effectively to be able to start bowling at an intensity and that's kind of my big thing to the athletes or parents listening that too much too soon and can it potentially be damaging on us so can we start drip feeding that in now to prep for when sport does return. And I think what's really interesting about what you said there is this, um, the time that's required to develop appropriately to be able to cope with the, a huge spike in bowling demands if we were to return straight away, is that actually you can do some of this work without bowling a ball, particularly yeah. the fast bowlers. Um, is there yeah. any, anything specific that you would, that you would encourage around training frequency what that might look like for let's say a 12 13 14 year old player that's mm. fingers crossed really hoping that cricket's going to return um what would you be encouraging them them to do if they if they can't get down to their local nets yeah 100 i think that so if we if we look at a fast bowler in particular we know that's probably one of the most explosive components of any cricket game um, and we break down 
you know, what's happening in that action. We know that there's some speed, some max velocity, whether that be or we're working probably 85% of as fast as anyone can go when we're, when we're, when we're running in variant levels of run up, but you know, anywhere up to 20 ish meters, maybe, maybe more for some individuals. And then we've got that kind of the action itself, which is very kind of plyometric or it's a jump. And then we need to be able to land on that braced front knee as much as we can. And then we're almost rocking over in that action. So, if we look at that skill, what we've got there is we've got some sprinting, we've got some jumping, we've got some landing, and we've got some hinging. So four of those 10 basic skills that we alluded to earlier are being executed within that one skill. I think it's a perfect link into what you described earlier on, the, the importance of developing those foundations, um, particularly in in the squatting, the lunge, the hinge patterns, being able to add in some training to to help with the the speed work in preparation to bowl. And I think um, there might need to be some creativity amongst players around what that might look like yeah, um, at this current moment in time. Yeah. But it's something that, that players can be engaging in so that they are ready for, for the return to cricket. I know we've spoken about looking ahead and potentially putting on some webinars for, for players and parents to, to be able to further enhance their physical development at all times. It's not necessarily connected to this ch the challenge that we face, but actually long-term players across the pathway trying to achieve their ambitions to be, to be the best players that they can. I uh, really look forward to, to what those are going to bring. I've seen you deliver a number of times and, workshops to our coaches i know you bring a lot of energy and really engaging and i'm sure that there'll be something that's of real benefit to our players so i look forward to that and then just to summarize i think i wanted to, to leave a few key take-home messages um firstly around not being tied to the fact that you may be a wicketkeeper right now and, and looking to try and develop a, a rounded base to to grow They're using that christmas tree analogy that that you described so well but also for coaches and aspiring SNCs and, and whoever that's looking to pursue a, a career within sport, actually trying to forge your own path and reaching out to, to sporting organisations or governing bodies to try and develop some experiences. And I think you've given real evidence of your journey from aspiring PE teacher into the world of sport and now working across a range of different organizations like the FA and with the MCCU I think actually it does it gives us gives hope and aspiration to, to coaches out there that are looking to to pursue this career and actually you do need to put some of that um, effort on yourselves to try and to try and to create that and that don't be afraid to, to try and open up some doors particularly now there's a range of um, content that's out there Try and find ways to, to connect and upskill and find knowledge that you can you can apply. Luke, so finally for me, thank you very much for being our first guest on the podcast. It's been yeah, no, fascinating. Really and I really look forward to to seeing more of your work with us and helping our players to develop, our coaches to enhance the work that they do, but also um, to, to pick your brains on an extensive uh, pool of knowledge that you've got. So 
Luke, thank you very much. Uh, cheers. Thank you very much for having me on the first one. Yeah, it's been great. Really good. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to our first podcast. You can subscribe and listen to our upcoming episodes by finding us on Anchor, Spotify and many other platforms. Alternatively, to find out more about Oxfordshire Cricket, please find us on our website at oxfordshire.cricket or across social media. Thank you.